rural fiber. Uh, all right, podcast. Dude, yeah, I can't say that. Choo-choo-choo, yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds? Uh, <laughs> Dirty, though. Settle uh, <laughs> down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this? Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat it. Eat the paella. Question's hot. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that will never charge you additional fees for every time you want to increase your podcast speed or download additional episodes or change the background on your phone. Or uh, We'll get into that. But uh, for now, I'm your host, Ben Helms. And with me, as always, is my dark side rebuking, TIE fighter destroying, Inferno Squad commanding big brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How goes it? Good, sir. Shiva Komini! Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, ben. So beautiful. We are Inferno Squad. So true. So true. Uh, until we're Danger Squadron. At least oh, with, yeah. With, with Shriff, right? Yes. But I, I guess they're Inferno Squad still. I don't know how that worked. You're always telling me to take more risks. It's true. Wow. Uh, anyway, we are diving deep into the gameplay of the campaign specifically of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yep. Not the 2005 one that we all know and love and remember. Wait, what? But the 2017 one, the one that just came out six months ago, uh, with the same name by the oh, same company. My, my bad. So, um, so this is going to be an interesting talk. Because now, uh, I really loved all the time we spent on Naboo, like shooting down those droids. Is that not, oh, it's not what we're doing here? Ouch, and the so Kashyyyk much. level was dope. Not um, so much. Uh, anyway, this game was way better than the naming convention, which is just <laughs> recycle. So just entire, literally the same name, just different game. Give us some something. Uh, Battlefront Two yeah. A. I don't know. Yeah. Give us something so we can talk about it. Anyway, so yeah, we're gonna dive into the uh, the history of oh, the just the, the super long history and gameplay, all those crazy stories. No, there's not a lot no, there, but no. we'll talk about some of the so the development, the reception, uh, and kind of the when the game first came out, controversy stuff, behind the scenes stuff. But never uh, then, fear of course, to give you up. A- to give you a behind the scenes on us, we already recorded the gameplay, and we go long on we that. Do. That's so, true. Uh, yeah. you'll, you'll still, uh, well, you know what? You're holding the podcast in your hand, That's your, true. your greasy little hand. Look down at that that time, and you, you know that, that we covered enough. You can see the little table of contents there. You see when, exactly when Tyler comes in to talk about the gameplay with us. So, yeah. excited for that. You can also skip ahead over all that, and you can get to uh, what's the beer, what's the song, and as well as what else we've been playing, and... What we're playing next month. Look at you putting table of contents in there. Nice, nice. Not enough podcasts do that. I agree. You have like an hour and 45 minute podcast and it just has a title. It says, well, today we're talking about this. Uh, Please put table of contents discussion on the table of contents. Uh, People need to be able to get to this quickly. We're diving deep into the table of contents today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's, let's start getting into it. Uh, what did you know about Battlefront before you started playing? Did you play it when it first came out in November? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, okay. I you pa- played, okay. played it. Um, let's see. Um, I played Battlefront 1, the 2015 one. Um, mm-hmm. of course I played the old ones back in the day. Yeah. But I was so brokenhearted about the first Battlefront not having a campaign mode. Uh, and that hurt. And the fact that it was going to have one made me so excited for this game. And so... It was at a time where I wasn't sure I was going to buy it or not. Um, I was kind of leaning towards it, but I, I'm not hugely into online play. So I went and got it from Redbox uh, on a weekend when my wife was out, and I just sat there and played it in literally one sitting. I think I got up to get more junk food at one point, and I was 12 again, and it was amazing. So that's what I knew going into it. That's why I was very excited when I heard it had a short campaign campaign mode i was like "Ooh, something i can actually play yeah yeah that's as soon as i knew it was gonna have a campaign mode which was like a year and a half before it came out we knew that right because battlefield one came out and people were like wait 
what I have to play this online with people and suck at it. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, the next one's gonna have campaign mode. Don't worry. So saved up my pennies for that as soon as this game came out. Played this for the campaign. I'm sure I'll go back and play some multiplayer stuff. But whenever I can play as a Jedi or anyone in this universe, I'm all about it. Yeah, I think as we talk about the development, a lot of what we're going to talk about is just how crappy EA has been at marketing this, which is tough to right? say because, I mean, I saw commercials on primetime NFL games for these games. I mean, they marketed them really well in terms of making them look really sexy. But you don't want the first like announcement after a huge game comes out and is a huge success to be like, oh, yeah, next time we'll do campaign mode. Sorry for screwing that up. It's like yeah. that, that's a really obvious thing. And then when this came out, of course, there's the whole loot box controversy that we're going to talk about as well. Yeah which really distracted from the game. So we'll talk a little bit about the development, and we'll, we'll touch on that briefly. And yeah, by the way, speaking of which, there's already a sequel, or I guess it's the next EA Star Wars game announced at E3 a couple weeks ago. Had you heard of it, listener? Because I hadn't until tonight. So, yeah, let me, let me tell you so all cool. about it. Uh, it's yeah. called Jedi Fallen Order. Um, so like, get in line? Like, get fall in, line, in order? Like, fall in order. No, fallen. Oh, no, it's not that. Fallen oh, okay. order. Uh, gotcha. And I've already watched some motion capture video of it. Um, which is cool and it's single player which you know i'm excited about campaign very story driven action adventure game yes based on the motion capture based on the stuff they're talking about i'm thinking it's the spiritual successor to the jedi knight series yes that's the vibe i'm getting from it so who knows if that's what they're gonna do uh if it is you know we'll be pretty psyched for it so um can't come soon enough but holiday 2019 is uh, what we're hearing right now. Oh, that's a long time from now. Yeah. Who knows if we'll make it that long? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay, so setting up the game, it takes place, getting back to the game we're talking about today, yeah. Battlefront 2, uh, it takes place right at, basically, as Return of the Jedi ends. So as Death Star 2 blows up, uh, this game basically starts right then. Uh, and it centers around a black ops unit for the Empire called Inferno Squad. You're the commander. Inferno I Squad! Inferno Squad! Mount up! Mount up! Uh, and it talks about it, it, you follow Aiden and her team and them kind of the whole team falling apart and you follow different members and you must choose between the light side and the dark even though it's a linear story and you don't actually have to choose. That's the story though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, it follows her as she basically spoilers here. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Defects from the Empire to the Rebellion starts fighting for the light side. I know. What? And it mostly takes place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. It's kind of this Cool bridge, I thought, yeah. story-wise, between them. And actually, at one point, you do jump ahead to the Force Awakens timeline, get to play as Kylo for a little bit. And you, get, you do get to play. They definitely wanted you to play more, not not just as the main character, as Aiden, but you get to play as Han, as Leia, and as Luke as well. So you get to play a bunch of different Star Wars characters, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and this was some of the pushback to it is those central Star Wars characters uh, could sometimes feel a little bit ham-fisted, uh, just yeah, thrown in yeah. so that it's like, hey, get it? You can play in hero mode in... The uh, online multiplayer. Yeah. I thought Luke's was really cool. Uh, I thought Leia's was really good. Han's really struggled, as you'll notice when we get to the gameplay session. But he had a beard. talk much about it. Oh, that beard is rough. Oh, and Lando. You get to play as Lando, too. Lando's great. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that was cool. All right, maybe we should have this discussion right now, okay? Because when it comes to Star Wars stuff, I'm in. Yep. 129.5% in. And when it comes to Star Wars fandom, I, I almost do that too, right? I'm all right for most of my life. I'm like, yeah, Han did shoot first. Yeah, the prequels did suck. Yeah, special editions, no, thank you. I'm gonna get my uh, laser disc versions on DVD in 2003 or whatever. Not despecialized the Han shoots first edition. I got the despecialized edition. If anybody wants to hit me up, but anyway, I can't do that. But I know where to get them. How about that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's recently, be- it's behind the Raleigh's. There's a guy. <laughs> 
Uh, recently, Star Wars fandom, and it, maybe this isn't recent, recently it's come to light more. Uh, Star Wars fandom has taken a turn for the worst, and I feel like I need to apologize on behalf of Star Wars fans, because it's kind of sucked being a Star Wars fan recently, yeah. and that's not due to Star Wars. Yeah, we just issued a uh, Declaration of Independence or something uh, this week oh that was gosh. clearly done in, like, um, I don't know, Quark Express from 1994. So, so yeah, bad. that's super great. Uh, as you can tell, not so much. Um so as we say these things, maybe one way to contextualize it just going forward, because we, we already offered a bit of an apology on the last episode. Yeah. It's just to say, you know, as we critique things and as we say, mm, here's something I would have changed. This is not coming from any place in which we are entitled to have the version that they want. Uh, EA made the version that they wanted. And the things that I would love to see would be more risks from these things. I'd love to see some things I hate, which is weird to say, but I... I just want room for weird games because uh, that was the height of LucasArts in the 90s. Is, yeah. I mean, the whole Dark Forces Jedi Knight thing, it's weird and not, not just the uh, full motion video cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. Jar Jar is a choice, man. It's definitely a choice. It's not playing it safe <laughs> as much as I don't like that, right? Like yeah, if Jar Jar yeah. wasn't in there, it would be pretty boring. Yeah. No, that's true. They they get to Theed or whatever. I think they're just outside of Theed, I guess, and they they like wa- run walking around, and then they find the gun gun. Like, if there's no gun guns there. How do they get across? And anyway, anyway, let's get back to it. No more episode one. I'm not going to apologize for episode one. Uh, I almost want to say like, get your head out of your blank, Star Wars fans. But it's I'm tired of hearing conversations on podcasts and reading articles that are just like, yeah, Star Wars fans are just crazy, and they're such diehard fans because it's more than that. It's it's bigotry. Yeah. It's racism. It's yep. sexism. It's really, really negative, evil things that are creeping into Star Wars fan, or maybe that have been there and that are finally being revealed. Yep. But these things aren't just saying, hey, Ryan Johnson took Star Wars from us, us, the fans, whatever that is, uh, and changed it, and he changed all these storylines. They're saying much more than that, and what they're saying is they're making it too female-centric. Too non-white, straight, male-centric. Too political. Too political. Too politically correct. Yep. And politically correct is basically things that I don't like. Yep. And <laughs> just a reminder, um, to be apolitical is a political position. Um, that's not like a safe, vanilla, just everything is flat here. There is no apolitical position. To, to say you don't want politics in it is to speak from a place where you're saying, mm, I don't want to hear about the troubles that people are having because things are pretty great for me. Yeah, 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 exactly. One last thing about the soapbox. Um, weird thing I've noticed around Gamergate, because I do tweet about Gamergate a lot, and I tweet about various issues. I teach a class on gender and sexuality in video games. Um, as I've talked to women uh, who research Gamergate, uh, it's been really weird to find out the ways that they don't tweet about it and the ways that they have to protect themselves. And I'm like, well, why don't you tweet about it? Why don't you talk about it more? And they're like, because I've gotten threats. I'm like, Jeez. well, that's weird because I've never... Oh! Oh, I'm a dude. Yeah, Just yeah. remembered that. And to realize my own privilege in that way has been you know, kind of heartbreaking to, to just realize the experience that other people have when they talk about it. So as we talk about these things um, and get up on our soapboxes, we realize we're not taking many risks to do it. But maybe because we don't have much to lose or because it's safer for us, all the more reason for us to speak out about it and say, like, uh, yeah, this is shitty. Don't be shitty. And and the takeaway from that, Jason, isn't, Jay, you should hate yourself and your no. experience. Your experience doesn't matter. You should be a self-loathing person because you're a white straight male. No, no, no. All it means is other people's stories and experiences matter just as much as yours. Yours still matters. Yep. But also other people exist with different viewpoints. And there's there's not a lot of barriers to my story getting told. 
and there are barriers to other people's. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you can see your story yeah. by turning the TV on or turning on any movie. Right, right. So anyway, we can get off of our soapbox, but I do feel like we need to at least talk about the weird Star Wars uprising that's happening right now. Anything right. else we need to say about it before we move on? I don't think so, but feel free to hit us up on Twitter if we missed anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, happy to contribute. Oh, man. All right, so... Off the soapbox, get into some of the development reception stuff. It wasn't long after the uh, the first Battlefront, or I guess it was like the third Battlefront, the 2015 <laughs> Battlefront, <laughs> whatever it was, they need a new name for these games, uh, that EA Dice, uh, the company behind it, announced Battlefront 2. Uh, I'm not even going to put a real number behind that. Battlefront 2, though. Uh, and also announced that there'd be a campaign mode, a campaign portion of that game that we're all super missing from th- the 2015 version. And yeah, the game was still centered around online multiplayer, though. So that's still the biggest part of the game as far as hours spent by most people buying this game. I think most people spend it doing the multiplayer online, uh, which received mixed, but I would say mostly positive reviews. Uh, But the episode, what we're talking about today, almost entirely focused on campaign mode. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the multiplayer stuff. We'll get into the the loot crate stuff next. But uh, for the most part, especially with gameplay with Tyler, we talked about specifically the campaign, the story, the gameplay within the campaign. Uh, but yeah, we, we love stories on this podcast. That's the reason you've heard us joke about not being fast clickers. We're slow clickers. We talk, you know, we love the the old adventure games, the puzzles, the mysteries. Uh, and so when it comes to stories, that's kind of the thing that brings us to this podcast. That's why we started it in the first place uh, and figuring out puzzles and figuring out getting inside creators' brains. Uh, and so that's why we played this game. That's why we love this game. Uh, and yeah, especially when it comes to Star Wars games, that's that to me was the most immersive part, right? When you can play as a Star Wars character and not just shoot people in a, in a multiplayer part, but actually play a story of a Star Wars character. Even if it's a brand new character is the part that feels the most, uh, not not escapism, right? Because there is that element of, of fantasy games specifically, but it feels the most, uh, I guess, immersive or adventurous or, or just the most fun. Yeah, absolutely. So probably the thing we should talk about is the big controversy about this game, which is loot yeah. crates. Um, yep, yep, and yep. so uh, quick summation, um, they use loot crates f- for this game, which meant these are things that you can purchase uh, that are randomized. So it's kind of some low level form of gambling and you got a 10 out of a hundred chance of getting a good item, a five out of a hundred sure. chance of getting a great item and a one out of a hundred chance of getting a super good item. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you spell, spend real money about it on it. And one of the pieces, you of the can spend real money on it. Right. And one of the pieces of the controversy for this was that these are not cosmetic changes. These actually upgrade your character, uh, give yeah. you new weapons, give you new abilities. And it was that that really got to people, the idea that somebody could come in, uh, spend a bunch of money, and become uh, overpowered, uh, be able to to just you know beat up on the poor kids. And you know, Battlefront 2 was not the first game to do that by a long stretch. But it handled it so poorly and it came across at just a particular moment where i think people were primed uh to push back against that uh and so i'm with it you know push back against that i think it's a crappy way to do gaming and yeah. i'm glad that we're not accepting it anymore uh this is one place where i'm glad the the fans spoke up and uh and tried to change things yeah it's, and the, the weird thing to me i guess is that you have mostly mobile games like companies like Rovio right that's the company behind Angry Birds and all these companies Zynga. That, Zynga and like all these like huge companies that make hundreds and hundreds of of phone games right and iPad mobile games uh, that all of them have in-app purchases yep. that you can change either from little things to like changing the hat that your character wears to like unlocking abilities and stuff like that that have been around for 10 years now I, I maybe it's just the proverbial straw that that broke the camel's back right where it was just 
this has been happening to us too much as gamers and we've had enough. Yeah, and because it, it didn't seem like this game did it way worse than other games. No, and it, and it just did it to the wrong fan base, which is yes, you know Star Wars fans yes, uh, who could be mobilized true. very quickly. Um, but you know what's so bad about microtransactions? Um, sure, uh, overpowering uh, the rich kids to beat up on the poor kids that that is bad and it sounds bad. It's not great. Uh, but what I think is much worse is uh, think about these Rovio games and the Zynga games. How do they make money? Because most people don't spend more than a couple bucks on it. Uh, is that enough? And the answer is no. They make the majority of their money off of a few whales, which are people that are spending hundreds and even thousands of dollars on these games. Why are they doing that? Because these are people who are gambling addicts. These are people who actually have a disorder. And so when you play those games, you're, in a sense, taking part in that. It's pretty you know, distributed. It's not resting firmly on your shoulders. But that's how those games operate. And that's why I'm pretty happy to see the fans push back on microtransactions because I think microtransactions are a terrible trend in video games. But yeah, I I think it was just the wrong fan base at the wrong moment or the right one. Yeah, and one of the arguments I heard, which again, I'm not standing up for EA, but basically the price of $60 for games. Yeah. Uh, Brand new games for, you know, AAA games for the big consoles have been $60 for 10, 15 years now. Uh, An NES game in 1990... I read recently was on average $50 and they ranged from like 40 to 80 back then. It wasn't as consistent, right? A new game comes out now, you know, it's $60. It's very consistent these days. Uh, but $50 with inflation is $89 now. And so that's a significant amount of money that they're losing, especially now that games are companies are putting way more money into games now than they were in 1990, yep. especially for these big call oh, yeah. of duty, battlefield, battlefront, these huge triple a games. And so they need to make money. They li- Literally, they need to make money outside of people buying their games. Otherwise, they will lose money on making these games, which sounds crazy because we're paying 60 bucks is a lot of money. I get that. I don't buy and, games that often. And the truth of the matter is to not let them entirely off the hook. Uh, you know, what if they charge 90 bucks for these games instead? Well, the secret is they can make more money by doing microtransactions yeah. than by charging 90 bucks a game. That's just the way it is. And if you break it down, I mean... Breaking it down by you know price spent on a game and hours spent on it, uh, it's a pretty cheap method of entertainment compared to seeing a movie, going to Disneyland, going even going out to eat. It's it's pretty amazing the the amount of it. Sixty dollars is a lot of money. I'm not saying it's yep. not, but it, it you know I spend sixty dollars on games. I probably buy four or five games a year as far as like AAA big titles, and I put I get my money's worth. I play you know those are games that I put between twenty and fifty hours into, uh, which breaks down to. A couple bucks an hour. Yep. Yep. Hopefully they can shift to more of uh, kind of the book uh, model of uh, selling things, which is you've got a few things. How do publishers survive when they're selling books and most books aren't making money? Uh, well, they have a few things that they get early on. And if you get, uh, you know, Gravity's Rainbow, you can sit on that for the next hundred years right. and just keep selling it and you'll be just fine because it always costs the same amount. It never really drops below about eight bucks. 10 bucks, whatever it is. And so I'd like to see more of that in video games. Uh, I go on GOG and I buy these old games for a buck for 50. Sure. And I'm sure. sure none of that is making it back to the original developers no, no, no. or even to the publishing house. But if publishing houses can think of it that way and can think of a way to, to retain it and start to work on back catalogs, um, that'll also add to longevity. It'll make developers more interested in making games, uh, making new systems backward compatible. All those kinds of things that I think would lead to a, a much healthier uh, environment for gaming culture. 
All right, a lot of soapboxes today. I feel like we are the fount of wisdom, then we're just bestowing it upon, but really it's not. A lot of it is just stuff we've looked up or we stuff that we've spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about. So feel free to disagree with us. We'd love for you to disagree with us. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, email us, whatever you need to do. We'd love to have this conversation with other people. Uh, anything else before we get into the gameplay? No, let's do it. All right, here we go. This is an interview with our special guest. We're going to ask him about the gameplay okay we're gonna get into the gameplay with my good friend tyler weaver tyler how you doing man doing fantastic excited yep. to be here uh long time listener first time caller it's, it's good. <laughs> That's true that is true yeah we realize this is the first podcast you've ever done Ever. So welcome, welcome. There were a lot the of details I didn't know about how do I talk and what do I say. It's, I know you have to listen and you have to talk. Yeah, and you have to listen again. It's weird. It's not unsimilar to having a conversation with someone or even two people. True. Uh, Jason is here as well. Just very and quiet. Tyler. Tyler is also my friend. Uh, I wouldn't introduce him as my good friend <laughs> necessarily, but that's yeah, nothing against him. It's just that like we hang out once every couple of years for the last you know. Yeah. 15 years or so yeah so, and we have a heck of a time cool. when it happens that's true oh, it's really good epic epic times all right so let's start before we get into battlefront 2 uh which we all played in the past couple weeks some of us replayed it because jason mm. you played it like six months ago so uh anyway took a lot of notes ready to dive into that but first tyler what's your experience just with star wars did you grow up in a star wars household a trek household mm. did you grow up watching the films which what kind of your experience pre-present movies i should say yeah i'm afraid this is gonna totally ruin any credibility cool. i may have uh, <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna frame it as i'm giving a different perspective to all of this that's why you're here but i was i feel like i grew up around people who love star wars and for whatever reason being a guy with a sister and i never got into it um we i like watched star wars i think once when i was 10 and i was like that's awesome that's and cool for those on. guys. Yeah, and then I moved on with, and I think I like did it like one a.m. with some friend randomly from, out of his like parents' movies collection or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but enjoyed it. Never got into it. Um, tried to watch it again at one point in like uh, college years, and like fell asleep because it was late and I was tired. Wow, this and is a rough f- start. I know. <laughs> you can feel free to delete all this. Cool, cool. Lose my credibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but essentially, I'm a, I'm a latecomer to the world. Uh, when I knew Force Awakens was coming out, I was like, you know what? This is a big deal. I want to watch it. Let's like go back and watch the original trilogy. And uh, I watched it with my wife, borrowed like, you know, the trilogy from a friend down the street and watched it. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I been doing in my entire life? Yeah. Have I not been this person that has been totally into this? And I've and, and I almost I regret all of that. Tyler, that. That story had the entire arc of Star Wars. Like, yeah. you had me with a new hope. Like, I was like, and then I watched when I was 10, and I had a pretty good time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. And then I watched it in college, and I fell asleep. And and that was like Luke losing his hand. That was Empire. Like, I was there. I was at the lowest I could be. And then you brought me right back up at the end. Nice. And I just want to tell you, great storytelling. Nice. I'm there. Nice. Thanks. That's awesome. Beautiful. I mean, as a, as a side note, you know, maybe a... a I, I did watch the prequilidry. Nice. Yeah, that's the exact word for it. In in theaters, yeah. And I was like, "Well, it's a thing." So. <laughs> well, you're not like this. <laughs> I still am a fan of Episode Three. I'm going to be honest with you. All right, I like all right. it. I like how it brings it all together. The first two I could do without. Yeah, yeah. There I hate are. sand. 
it's gritty and gets so coarse and gets everywhere. Um, but yeah, so since then, uh, I've had like, you know, the countdowns of the new movies coming out and, uh, it is, it's amazing. I'm very excited about what's going on. I mean, we don't want to get into the whole film aspect and how people feel about the new ones or not, but I'm fully 100,000% bought in. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so, and secondly, I guess we have Star Wars, then we have the video game aspect. What's your, yeah. I, I know I played video games all through college because I lived with you. I know that you didn't play them as much, but, but you played video you games play growing them. up. You did, yeah, you played the Ben <laughs> role and I played the Jason role in that relationship where exactly. you watched me play video games. When you, when you describe that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me in college with Ben. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm a little Ben yeah. watching Have you ever ben played play. this game? No, but I've watched my friend play it for 40 hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I doing in my life? I'm not even playing it. Oh my exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, Tyler was Tyler was busy getting a real degree in biology, uh, like I did. Ben, that's true. Uh, that's true. The major difference being that Tyler used it. <laughs> right. Hey, you're both doctors. You know, that's right. Just, you're a doctor of words. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you play? Any of the other old, like Knights of the Old Republic, or what was the game we rediscovered J- recently, Jason? Masters of Terras Kasi, not Terras Kasai. <laughs> they mentioned it in Solo. Anyway, uh, did you play yeah, any the old the old Star game, right? Wars games? I no, I did okay, not. Okay, okay. Again, sim- I think similar idea. I mean, I, I grew up playing uh, kind of Nintendo, like Nintendo, Super Nintendo sure. sixty four, and didn't dive into the Lucas stuff. I think kind of different platform. Yep. Idea. Yep, yep, but. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. They had they had Shadows of the Empire. Pod Racer was probably the biggest game for Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. then um, what was the third one? I was um, Rogue Squadron was the other kind mm-hmm. of. Those are the three <sighs> Star Wars games on N sixty four. Remember yeah. the Pod Racer arcade. Oh, that was cool. When we actually sat in Not to take anybody off track, but like that might have been the best thing to come out of Phantom Menace, other than just lots and lots of racism. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, maybe it was better. Maybe it was actually better than all that. Cool. Okay, so let's get into Battlefront 2. Did you play the... uh, Not the original Battlefront. The original Battlefront came out, I think, 2004. Did you play Battlefront uh, circa 2015? I did with you. That was, I think, my first experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Good times. I was down there visiting you, and you're like, dude, 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 you gotta check this out. We went down there. And this is after I'm, you know, fully indoctrinated into, you know, the, the Star Wars universe. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like living the Star Wars. I think we played like <laughs> the, the the first episode where we had like jetpacks and we're flying around yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. just killing a bunch of stormtroopers. And it was mind blowing. It was the most beautiful experience. It was. And, and with yeah. that said, I played Nintendo growing up. I took a good long break within like college and post-college. And so I think also the graphics today, I'm like, oh, what? This is like yeah. a real movie. What am I doing here? This is it, great. It is crazy how good. It, it was two years later. It came out in 2017, Battlefront 2. Honestly, like the 2015 Battlefront, the graphics still hold up really well. It's not like it's changing. I remember in the 90s, even sure. the early 2000s, it was like, this year's Madden looks so much better than last year's. And now it's like, no, they all just look really good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, accurate. The big difference, I think, between Battlefront and Battlefront 2 is the story mode, which is what we all came here to talk about. And the fact that Battlefront, the 2015 one, just didn't have one. It was completely lacking, and it was based completely on the multiplayer stuff, which was fun and all, but not... I, I think I've been pretty clear, not my style. But I think we all know that multi online multiplayer is not necessarily my cup of tea, because um, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at video games. Yep, uh, yep, yep. The Resurrection expansion for Battlefront 2... Took me a lot longer than an hour, which I think a lot of people said that it took them because I'm not very good at it. As in, you would like have to respawn a bunch. Oh yeah, a lot. I just die a lot. Yeah, get confused, get scared. 
<laughs> we, we don't have to talk about difficulty levels on this podcast. So let, let's clarify we why we're here can, today. Okay? Can we clarify which difficulty level we put? No, out? we're not. We're not here for that. Easiest. <laughs> we're not here for that. The answer is the easiest one. We're not here cheat for that. Codes? Up, up, down, down. <laughs> the easiest one plus God mode plus God infinite mode. ammo. And I still can't do it, man. Yeah. Put, put I, in the game genie CD. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so we are here to talk about campaign mode specifically. If you guys want to bring in other modes, that's fine. I actually only did the campaign mode. I I jumped into a couple other ones and just didn't fall in love with them right away. I'm sure I'll continue to go back and do some online stuff and kind of get a little better at that. But my interest in this game, not just for this podcast, but over the past seven months has only been to play the campaign mode. That, That was the biggest disappointment of the Battlefront from two years ago. It's I was going to say by far my favorite part. Obviously, it's my favorite part. It's the part I've played the most for this one. But I was really, really overall impressed with the campaign mode, especially because I heard a lot of crap about it from friends that were really good at playing online. They were like, yeah, campaign mode, it's not that long. It's whatever. It's it's not that cool. You're not going to like it. So don't even buy the game. And maybe it's because my expectations were low and I love everything Star Wars. <laughs> but overall, I mean, were you guys... Did you have, what was your feeling overall just on, on campaign mode? Yeah, I think some people... Um... If it's not a 20-hour game, bare minimum, they're like, this is beneath me. I wasted my money. I'm doing my my dollars per minute uh, ratio, and it didn't work out. Whereas we're all old and, and married and stuff, and, you know, kids yeah. take up time. And so I played this uh, on a weekend when my wife and the kids were out of town, and I just sat there yeah. for 10 hours straight and played a video game. And then I was done with the video game, and it was amazing. And that was, like, the best day of my life. And I could yeah. put it away and never talk about it again. Well, until now, I guess. <laughs> it's like finishing the season of Westworld, and then all of a sudden, there's 10 new episodes of Kimmy Schmidt. And it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, these are 25 minutes long? Yeah. This is amazing. I don't have to block out the next 70 minutes of my life and like cry in a quiet room by myself. But right. my wife actually wants to watch Kimmy Schmidt with me, and also we mm. can do something else in a half an hour. Mm. Anyway. Living the dream. But yeah, I, I loved it. Okay. I loved it. Okay, cool. Uh, similarly, I, I, I was totally excited and really wanted to play the campaign mode um i actually uh recently moved into uh, buying a video game console recently oh it's um, a big so I, it's a big commitment. i got i don't want to say i got the xbox one so that i could play star wars battlefront <laughs> but it nice. didn't hurt me actually being interested nice, in doing nice. it yeah. so now, did, did ben make you a video about how you should buy the xbox one because that proves that he loves me more <laughs> He did once make it? me a video about I was, why I should buy an Xbox One. I proved that I was really bored one afternoon, eight months ago or whatever it was, which still took him over. I think, oh yeah, I guess like eight months or so to buy it. But anyway, what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he finally did. Anyway, strong Did you? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, you did. Okay, <laughs> I've played it like a solid four times because the controllers are like hamburgers, and I they can't are, bring myself. They to are giant. You know, there's a I rumor like going that. around that like the person that. who invented the Xbox, Mr. Soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just had giant hands. The person who designed the controller had giant hands because the first con- version of the Xbox controller was the like twice Xbox as big as it is now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Huge. big. It what was... am I supposed to do with my Trumpian hands? Yeah. By the All way, right. we also were coming off with N64, which had three handles on it, which for some alien yeah. reason that made sense. Anyway, and it was tiny. God, uh, it was weirdly ridiculous. tiny. So weird. Right? I, I I do like to think that I have big hand energy though. <laughs> for your slow button mashing abilities. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Very. Uh, anyway, okay, so. Battlefront 2, where should we start? Should we start story, gameplay, sky battles, space battles, I want to talk land about the battles? Story. Where do you want I'm to start, I'm so into the story. Story. Like, story. Oh, I, earlier I thought we could like go either way, but now I'm just like, I, I loved it so much. Um, 
the one thing I think as I I, I today sat down and just rewatched all the cutscenes. Oh, nice. uh, and kind of oh. refresh myself on each of the missions. And I think the you know, opening mission, you know, you you're breaking out, fun thing. There's lots of playing foreshadowing. Playing as a droid. With, yeah, you're playing as a droid. Uh, lots of foreshadowing with uh, Eden being told by the, her uh, interrogator, like, uh, hey, maybe you should come over to our side. Right. Um, and then she just, like, blasts out of there. And, oh, it's cool. But the amazing part was the moment when the Death Star explodes and seeing that from a different perspective, which I thought they did yes. so well. And that's yes. when they got me as a game. Because before that, it was just cool and fun. Mm-hmm. And this is when I was like, this, ha- this game actually has a story to tell. And I had this weird feeling of disappointment. Like, I shared it. And when she says, we can mourn later, we have to complete this mission, yeah. I was like, wow, that's right. People would be mourning because yeah. millions of people just died. Wow. Okay. Totally. I thought they did a really good job of humanizing the Empire, obviously, when you're playing as someone in the Empire. But that's contrasting that with all of the films that do a pretty bad job of that for the most part uh but yeah the fact that you get that different perspective and the fact that her arc takes you from dark side to light side but they don't call it that right neither one is all good neither one is all bad which that ideal alone goes against star wars and it's almost non-canonical the idea of yep the the uh the gray right the living in between the dark and the light that shouldn't be a thing in star wars it's like a star trek thing uh, so I love that they leaned into that. That's definitely something that the new trilogy has been kind of playing with a little bit for sure. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to see, I, I, again, all of the, not just that as a theme, but all of the storylines going back and forth. I was in my head trying to remember like, what, when did this come out? It was only seven months ago, but it was before Solo and it was right before The Last Jedi, which seems like five years ago by now, by the way. Uh, and so, yeah, it's really cool how we can get into, I guess, the whole storyline later, but as it ends... The, the resurrection storyline, which is, I don't know if that's the DLC or the additional content that just, that we got added, yeah. ends moments before The Last Jedi starts, which I thought was a pretty cool tie-in. Right? And she's like, it's it's Princess Leia, Hologram Leia, which is still heartbreaking to see, modern-day Leia, which I guess is a long time ago, Leia. Anyway, uh, modern-day Leia. And she's like, go to the Outer Rim to get help before the, the First Order arrives. And they go away, and that's... Watch out for a text scroll when you're landing. Like, exactly. We think something's starting. <laughs> right. It'll go slow, but it's it's there. So it's, it's big. Pretty big. It's big. really big. It is well, big. scale's difficult, but you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what about you, man? Story-wise? Yeah. Connect with it? No, I I was... So I'm one of those guys that, that doesn't watch... Well, as much as he can. Star Wars is different. But doesn't watch a trailer before he watches the movie. I want to be totally surprised and walk into it. Nice. I knew nothing about the storyline of this Battlefront 2, besides, I think, talking to you, Ben, when you're like, oh, I've heard okay things. I'm like, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. I'm going to continue. Um, so I walked in not knowing what it was going to be about. Starting out very interesting. I felt I had mixed emotions uh, starting out um, like as somebody that was clearly held by the rebels and was, you know, shooting the rebel soldiers. I'm like, what am, what am I doing? Is yeah, this... it's a little weird, right? Yeah, I was like, I guess I guess this is, this is going to be, I'm going to be on the dark side. And like, didn't even register that there's going to be this larger story arc. And then, yeah, like when we were on Endor... And watching Death Star explode and be like, oh, my God, this is weaving into the actual like that was similar to what you're saying, Jason, like a a changing aspect of me. Like this is way more than I was expecting it to be. This is going to be pretty damn sweet. Um, And then even more so of they're almost filling out the story of the theatrical Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think for me, in a sense, that really ties into uh, Dark Forces, Ben, the original Dark Forces, the way that it plugged so nicely into Star Wars chronology. Yeah. And that really is the game. We talked about that at the time, and I think we talked about it recently when we played Dark Forces too. is that's the game that felt the most like just playing a Star Wars movie. And I think now I have to take that back and say that Battlefront 2 is the game that plays feels most like just playing through a Star Wars movie. We could, I think people can debate whether it's a great Star Wars movie or not, but plot-wise comparison, I think it's probably better than Dark Forces. Uh, and Dark Forces was one of my favorite games uh, when we did it. I, I love Dark Forces, but this is a, a really strong plot, um, and I thought well-acted throughout. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what people... I haven't done a deep dive into everyone's critiques of it, but as far as what an honest critique of the campaign would be, other than it's not 20 hours, I don't know what a good critique would be because i mean that's what battlefront call of duty all of these first person shooters are usually between four and six hours sometimes they skirt up to eight or ten but that's that's a rare one but i thought this game held up story-wise along with any of those other uh dice games or the uh the uh, call of duty games for sure yeah yeah i totally agree it it makes me excited for star wars games again um whereas uh first battlefront i I, it was fun to do but it was a toy to play with for a little while uh whereas this one feels like it contributes to part of the universe, part of the ongoing story, uh, and changes the way I think about the universe. Um, that's cool to me. All right, story-wise, favorite moment of the game, of the whole story? Shriv and Lando, their buddy mission uh, was fun. Yeah, right? the AT-AT but, factory. Yep, but the end of it, when uh, they get up on top of the AT-ST, yes. and they're, they're talking, and Shriv turns to Lando and says, I'm just glad that if I'm going to die here, you're going to die too. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's some good lines. That's a really good buddy cop line. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I'd never heard that particular one before. I just love Shriv's whole deal. He yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty good. Tyler, what about you? I think I think the, the, the highest moment where I was super excited about a ton of stuff, or like just kind of stepping into it, was honestly when the Death Star blew up. I was like, this is, this is more than just a game. Like this is a game plus the story and is bringing into a really personal level of like, oh my gosh, this is going to build empathy for the dark side. And I'm sad about that, but I'm also excited to know about that. But I mean, walking around Entor was also beautiful. Like walking through the forest and I'm like, this is, this is insane. Looking up to the sky, seeing it. Um, it was, it was awesome. Ben, uh, how about you? Uh, playing as Luke on Pilio when you first find Dell and you save him, that, that whole kind of mini storyline I thought it was really cool that the whole idea of I love any story that has good and bad fighting together for a short period of time. Jay, we were talking the other day on the Westworld podcast where it had the man in black and Dolores on the same team for like 10 minutes. But still, I love that idea when they have just when opposing forces have a similar uh, goal, at least for a yes. short, short term, they have to yeah. team up. And so yes. that was cool. And obviously it ends well with with Dell kind of. Be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to kill you or whatever. Yeah, okay, Ben, uh, that's not only a great answer. I literally, as I said mine, as soon as Tyler started to talk, I was like, mm, Pelio was the answer. Yeah, mm, cool. Nope, should have chose Pelio. Because that, you're right, that moment when Dell and Luke are talking. And I kind of, at first, thought the Luke stuff was a little hokey. And I was like, oh, I'm playing this Luke. Oh, it just feels like everybody's making a cameo. Okay, I get it. Yeah. But I really liked the scene between Dell and Luke. I thought it was really, really strong, especially when he finds the the map to the Jedi Temple. It, you know, connects to uh, the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens yeah. really nicely. There, uh, yeah. that's that's a great little connection that didn't just feel like, uh-huh, see, see, it's from the movie. Uh, you know, it was something that we actually didn't know from the movie that expanded the character and connected. Um, yeah. I love that moment of hesitation with Dell and the fact that he's really struggling with these ideas. 
Um, and yeah, I have this built-in sense of like, ah, be careful. He's going to hurt you. He's going to do something. Like, so the whole time I'm like cringing for Luke. I'm like, it's a trap or it's something. And you know, like, it's a trap. be careful. It's a trap. But the whole time, you know, it plays to his character that he's not at all shaken by Dell or any uh-huh. of the Imperial forces, the stormtroopers, the alien fly things. Like he is, he he could take all of them. He's a Jedi master at this point. This is post return of the Jedi. So he's yeah. not at all shaken by any of it. He's not scared by any of it. He doesn't need to be tentative. He can show mercy towards Dell and through anyone who isn't attacking him. I think that's what he says, right? He's like, why didn't you kill me? He's like, because you didn't try to kill me. Yeah. Which is very, yeah. again, it's going back to this, uh, the, the, the light side or the Jedi side is the, is passive, right? Yeah. They're not the ones to attack. They defend not only themselves, but the defenseless, which I think is a really mm-hmm. cool idea that they're, they're being very consistent about with all of this uh, cross-platform integration that they're doing, which I'm just, I'm eating up. Yeah. I am too. I'm loving it. Yeah. The, that just connected me to the final lines um, where Aiden has, uh, where she says, you you fight to save lives. And if you die, you die to save, save lives, lives too. Mm. And that connects so explicitly to The Last Jedi. Yes. Which yeah. is why, you know, don't, no, you you don't go kill yourself there. We're not fighting to to die. We're not, we don't want more death. We want to save lives. That's right. the goal here. Uh, which I thought was a, a beautiful moment in The Last Jedi. And to see it reflected here. In a, in a really different way uh, was very cool. You, you don't fight what you hate, but you save what you love. That that sentiment, at least, that that, that Rose says. Yeah, you know what? It might have been better said in the game. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it might have been better said by Ryan Johnson than me. Yeah, no, like <laughs> I I like I I really liked the Last Jedi moment, but like now that I think about it, I, I kind of like the way that Shiva Kamini said it. Speaking I of know, which, she has a name. Janina G- Gavankar was amazing and yes shiva kamini from the league Fantastic. she's from true blood she's uh also good friends with uh megan markle by the way and she was at the royal wedding that's the thing now we i want to watch let's get into that okay so when they took that turn around i don't know any of the streets in london so i'm not going to go there but <laughs> Westminster uh, she, circus as well as the, the guy who played hask the guy who played dell shriv was my favorite but i thought the acting which feels weird to say with any cgi mocap stuff was amazing like it, it there was no part i was blown away i was gonna say there's no part where it felt weird it always feels weird because you're still in that uncanny valley where it's you're not looking at a real person yeah but yeah. it still looked as good as i've ever seen it in any movie or game i've ever seen i thought it was great i thought it was really smooth yes. i i did not feel like i was in much of the uncanny valley i was able to do away with it yeah now here's what brings me back into that really hard is if you're like trying to catch up on this so you watch all the cutscenes in double speed um it's that's weird. It's real rough. It's like, Everybody's waddling. It's like and Babe my, Ruth highlights. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite <laughs> is, except the Babe Ruth moves like a human being does, and they move like robots, but you don't see it at double speed. That's fair. Um, my favorite is actually uh, Iden's death because I'm like I'm feeling it again, and I'm sad, and she's staring right at her daughter, and then because she's she's being her head just like flops over so hard. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> just fell asleep. Oh. Like just talking, talking, so boom, <laughs> and I, I just started laughing. Oh man, it, it oh, is weird. Man. I'm realizing now for the first time. This isn't probably new to any game designer or anyone who's thought about this before. But that the uncanny valley is only weird with humans, which again is yeah. part of the definition of that. But it's weird that Shriv is the most believable character because he's an alien, as far yeah. as the animation is is concerned. Right? He's the one that we we don't look like when we look in the mirror. We don't see our Shriv. So when we see Shriv in the game, we're like, oh, that's what that alien looks like. Yep. But when we see humans, we're like, that's not quite human. Which yep, totally, made all totally of the good. animation for Shriv just that much more believable. That's a good point. Um, and you might have to forgive me for this, but could you define uh, Uncanny Valley? It's where the X-Men live. 
No, that's the Uncanny Mansion. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so the Uncanny Valley is, um, if you imagine like a chart with like a line going up, uh, let's go left to right, uh, between like um, robots uh, or cartoon characters over on the, the left side and then all the way on the right, like full on human. And then you get to a point where around C-3PO where all of a sudden there's this drop in quality. Right. Where mm-hmm. just between C-3PO and an actual person, you get Polar Express. And you wish it wasn't happening. And you're like, that's not <laughs> like, a person. Oh, right? my God. It's not a person. It's not a cartoon. Kill it's it. Kill it. It's trying so hard to be a human. <laughs> and that is that is the uncanny valley yeah. where you got oh. close but didn't quite make it. And it's the closeness that really terrifies us. Uh, I would say our, our fear of dolls, the entire obsession with dolls being creepy, is built into the uncanny valley. It's, oh. it's that same feeling of like, it's human, but it's not. Because stuffed animals, stuffed animals are not creepy. They're dolls great, are creepy. Great. Dolls are creepy. Okay. And the dolls that aren't creepy are the ones that like just don't look human. They look like cartoon sure. characters. Sure, right. Yeah. If you want to uh, see a movie that just dives headfirst into the Uncanny Valley, it doesn't say that phrase, I believe, the entire movie, but Uncanny Valley physically, emotionally, psychosexually would be the movie Ex Machina. Yes, yes. Does that describe well? Yes. yes. Hmm. Absolutely, and sexually sexual is used appropriately there. Thank that you. Was, no, that's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot, a lot of touring tests in I, there as well. I was thinking you were gonna that the punchline was going to be Polar Express. So when psychosexually came out, <laughs> when, when, when think, Tom Hanks help. gives those kids his, his hot chocolate, hot chocolate. Does he say it like that? Oh, he does. I've never seen it. It's, oh, dude, I won't watch go, it. Go now. You know I don't like robots. Just watch the hot chocolate video. All right, I will. Just the, the music for hot chocolate because I played it once for Maddie and she just obsessed with it. Wanted me to play it again and again wow, and again wow. until I I lost it. That that link broke. It doesn't work anymore, honey. I don't know why. It the computer out. broke. Do you have like a whole a key on your keyboard just that was that link? If I if I could tear it out of the internet, <laughs> I would. It's it's rough. Uh, okay. Uh, any uh, any nits that we want to pick? <laughs> any picking nits? Oh, nit picking. So yeah. some of the level design wasn't great. How so? Um, it, that it was, it felt repetitive, or okay. it was uh, confusing, or overly long, where it was just doing the same actions again. I felt yeah. like some of the levels could have been like just a little bit shorter. Nice. Uh, it wasn't hitting quite that sweet spot where it felt like, okay, I've solved the puzzle, I've done the thing. Now I feel like I'm just walking. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or solving the same puzzle again, but now with different colors. Yeah, the last one on Vardos when you're looking for Zay, I guess that was on Resurrection, right? It was the one where I was like, okay. That's the one. That's I, exactly I, the one I, I was thinking. It. Which, yeah. again, that's on Resurrection. So that's the one that most people had waited six months for, I think. Mm-hmm. So, Which, do you know why they waited? Do you guys talk about this in the history? Because I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm like, why, oh, why did they wait? Why is this an expansion? Movie it's tie-in. a continuation of yeah, the it's same all, story. Yeah, it's all movie tie ins. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. they don't want to put any spoilers out. But at the same time, there were no spoilers that I noticed. Right. In the no, expansion. it's just to make money, just to just to be like, and now go watch the Last Jedi. And yeah. hey, this game uh, that you stopped playing a couple months ago, let's play it again. Especially because they make so much money while ple- people are game are playing the games with the microtransactions, which I guess don't exist anymore. Yes, huzzah! How do you guys feel about the flying levels? I loved them. Really? Yes. I felt so torn. They were beautiful they were the most beautiful part of the game i think they were yeah. mind-blowing the actual gameplay of them though was left a lot to be desired i just felt like it was me flying around they, they telling me which things to shoot i shoot them and the only time i died is when i was clumsy and ran into the ship yeah i did like too. yeah they were a little too easy yeah it, they were yeah. it was like this is amazing and it's like this fun novelty to be able to do this and it, it looks amazing and I'm like switching back and forth from in cockpit view to out of it just to see. But at the same time, it's like, uh, okay. 
I've, I've defended this before. There's nothing more fulfilling in a video game than shooting a TIE fighter. That that is yeah. the most fulfilling action. Yeah. The moment because they take two shots max, right, yeah. and then they yeah. just explode. <laughs> right, right. But they're going so fast, and you finally get it. And once you get that the the handle on that control, and it happens, it's so incredibly fulfilling. And so yeah. I agree, it's it's super easy, but it's also like, did you ever turn on like God mode and play GTA? Yeah. Sure. Um, sure. Right, and like you're not yeah. proud of it, but yeah, you wasted three hours like that. Yeah. And. It exactly. was really fun. Exactly. There was no difficulty, but like that was really fun. Um, and I think these levels for me were like that. Of I, I wasn't too concerned about what was going to happen. You're right. It wasn't very difficult. But, oh, I love shooting down TIE Fighters. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm with Jason. Ben, what were you going to say? I thought you were going to say they were super hard. I was going to be like, oh. maybe this is because you didn't play these as kids or something? Because I didn't think they were that hard. Sorry. No, but no, no. I, yeah, I thought that they were, I thought they were pretty easy. Definitely easier than some of the other levels. But maybe I'm broken. We're all broken, Ben. Thank you. This is a safe place for us to talk about that. Uh, but I don't play games to be challenged, which sounds weird. And sometimes mm. I, uh, sometimes I enjoy that. But more often than not, I'm frustrated when I find something is just difficult for difficulty's sake. Sure. Uh, and I'm definitely the kid that would put on God. I'd watch Jason play the whole game and then put on God mode and just like watch police cars run into each other for three hours. Yeah, I, that's my favorite thing to do as a kid in playing sense. GTA. So <laughs> with who with who I am as a person, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah that adds up yeah he doesn't like to be challenged yep. yeah yeah I, I yep. get that mm-hmm. I, 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 I can really see that sense now. Uh, <laughs> no but I, I thought that the beauty in them and the idea I thought they were the best space battles in any Star Wars game I've ever played mm, yeah. uh, I, I thought that the control the fact that I was just doing barrel rolls the entire oh, time it felt so good to it was do that gorgeous just oh my how big those worlds felt too whenever there was yeah. like one enemy left I would almost Every well, every single time there was only one enemy left, I would just leave him, and then I'd just like fly around over the Stardust Royals. I would shoot my own ships. I would just kind of like find where you could break the levels. I was find find where it says you must return to the mission. You know, ten. Nine, I would like fly eight. into the ground a bunch of times. I just love living in that world so much that I didn't really care beautiful. how easy those those were from yeah. time to time. That's and that fair. was by far my favorite part of the online play in Battlefront for yeah. two years ago. Yep, yep, yep. Which I always hated when I got in, set in some group where it's like you only got a space mission every third or fourth mission, and it's like, oh, I got to run around and capture a flag or right, something stupid. Right. Give me, give me back behind the yoke of a X-wing. I need, yeah. I need that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I thought one last nit to pick was I would say that her leaving the Empire happened a little too quick for my taste. Yes. Yeah. It was oh like, God. and it was over this like weird semantical thing with Hask. It was like. Let's take, he's like, let's get Gleb and only Gleb. And she's like, well, we can get Gleb and her friends. And he's like, right. no, no, I'm going to shoot you if you take any of her friends. <laughs> right. She's like, no, and but that, I really just want her friends. Now I'm part of the rebellion. Yeah. That Sorry, like, dad. That felt like notes or something that had changed that. Maybe because we already what, yeah. had the setup, which is like, they're destroying your home planet. That's right. the drive. Right. Not these, not these randos. Right. We don't even like Gleb. Like we saw Dell's internal conflict about, I feel like yeah. more so yeah. about yeah. his turn to the light as well. So True. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. But I love, I loved having the female badass main character. Yeah. Where you were the most of the time. That was, that was the awesome. whole Inferno squad idea too. was really cool with her as the, yes. as the commander of that. That was really awesome. Yes. I loved the portrayal of motherhood in resurrection. Uh, in that first mission. Tell me about um, it. Oh, yeah. And you're trying to protect your daughter this whole time. But it doesn't feel mother bearish. It feels like just 
protecting someone you care about, not necessarily like this, this special privileged mother position that only mothers understand, right? And we will fight and die for it. It's like, she's just about protecting someone she was The cool twist on mother part is that at the end, the daughter saves the day by lying to the other people and saying, well, we don't need they all fire all our concussion, concussion missiles yeah, yeah, at you. Yeah. And she gives the big obvious, like, but we don't have any missiles. I know. Exactly. But wait a minute. That'll mean. Oh. Yeah. And it was. And, and that was the motherhood part was seeing the pride in her at yes. her own daughter. Yes. I mean, like in that moment, it was like, oh, yeah, my daughter's becoming a badass. Good for her. And it's yeah. them fighting together. Not her. Like, like you're yeah. saying, right? Not her protecting her, or chasing after her the whole time, right? yep. which was pretty cool. Yeah. What's the beer? Let's do it. This game's pretty fun. With frustration When I was all done I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell I just want to know A game is Westy 12 So, um, I chose Ruthless Rye from Sierra Nevada. Oh. It's, it's one of my favorite beers. Oh. It's really good. But it's also not like... It's not a super fancy beer. It's not like... Something where yeah, I'm not going to defend Battlefront 2 as like the best game ever. I'm going to say it's a fun game because it, it does what I like. And I liked that it did it. Uh, Ruthless Rise the same way. It's not like going to win awards necessarily or be a beer that I'm like, okay, sit down. I have to explain some things to you before you can drink this beer. Um, <laughs> it's like, taste it. Do you like it? It's really good. Oh, you don't like it? Don't drink that one. Drink something else. And I, and I say all this that it's one of my favorites despite it being super commercial and that Sierra Nevada is, you know, it's a pretty big company. I didn't go out of my way to find the most esoteric little thing that, that, to do. Same deal with Battlefront. Uh, it's a big commercial product from a multi-billion dollar company and I'm really okay with it. I, I had a lot of fun. I haven't ever this around years, but yeah, that was my favorite Sierra Nevada IPA for sure for a long time. Yeah, when, when it went out of season, I went and bought two cases one oh, time. So good. So Man. good. All right, Tyler, what's your beer? My beer. I chose this beer because many reasons, but the beer that I do is, is Fort George Three Way nice. <laughs> IPA. Nice, nice. Um, so it, Fort George is a brewery out of Astoria, Oregon, like way up on the coast where the Goonies was filmed. It's where Mikey's house is. <clears throat> exactly, and it's a collaboration with two other uh, breweries. I think it's different every year. Um, this one's with Modern Times out of San Diego, and then uh, Modern Times, Modern Times started by yes. Mike Tonsmeyer. By who? Mike Tonsmeyer, a home brewer. Yeah, it's a guy that emailed when I was thinking We read about his him. blog for years. Yeah. We were obsessed with him, and then he started a brewery. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant. They did make fantastic beer. Yeah, but I've never had one. It's Fort George, Modern Times, and then Holy Mountain. And uh, it's so it's it's all the rage right now. It's similar to, I think, Star Wars is. So Star Wars is picking up in the in the you know the current world of the theatrical, all the rage. And this is a hazy IPA, which in this season right now is all the rage. It's true. It's delicious. It's filling. It's fun in my belly. I feel like all the Star Wars is, is that aspect. And this it. game was I sat down, it was fun, it was fulfilling, it was like this is this is what I this is what I want. And it's almost a collaboration of here's the movies and then there's this game thing. So just like I liked it. Yeah. In addition, I usually drank this beer when I was playing it. So Oh nice. It's nice. good it's a good I, link. I thought you were making a connection to my fanfic. Uh, of Lando, Shriv, and, and a young, uh, naive rebel pilot named Jason. That's J Y S E N. <laughs> That's also called three way. But uh, oh, anyway, yeah, moving sure, on. Sure. Weird. Huh. Anyway, uh, my beer is similar to Tyler's in the style as well as the reasoning. So well done, Tyler. 
Yay, but it's <laughs> Fall Rivers Lazy Hazy IPA, oh, mm. uh, which is amazing, and it's my favorite hazy IPA. But it's it's just like this game, nostalgic to me. It reminds me of those warm summer afternoons. When we Tyler and I just moved to Portland in 2010, and just getting they weren't even called hazy IPAs at the time, but that's what they were. Um, as as IPAs and the brewery experience was kind of burgeoning in Portland at the time, and uh, yeah, just amazingly fresh. IPA that is relaxing reminds me of warm summer days, which is again when we're, when we played this and what today was. Um, yeah, just just kind of stress free and enjoyable like this game. Yo, I got a hazy IPA um, a couple days ago that I I swear was like forty percent trube. It was yeah, it was not hazy. It was oh, and then I good. I got halfway through it and was like, oh, I can't. No, my stomach doesn't feel good. Oh, that's not uh, good. no. And I went up and got another one, and the next one came out crystal clear, and I'm like, that was not a hazy IPA. Yeah, you got to uh, get rid of that. that. You got. I did not enjoy that. that. That's not good. Did you say sorry to your wife later that evening? Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yeasty. Gross. All right, and then my song. My song is is just happened to be a song that I'm obsessed with, uh, and it's Thrice's new song. Uh, it's a song about, uh, and they, the album isn't even out yet, but it's their first single off the new album. Uh, it's a song about kind of breaking out what you thought was always right and realizing that most of the world isn't right or wrong, but kind of lives somewhere in between, which is basically Aiden's arc. It's called The Gray. Uh, and it's just, it's weird for any story to do that in the Star Wars universe, like we were talking about before. So that that ideal from this story is what stuck me the most. And that's, I'm, I love the game. I love the song. My song uh, was, <clears throat> I was trying to think about, I mean, I was telling Ben earlier, like, everything is coming to my mind is just the the Star Wars score, and right. it's not a good song to pick. Exactly. So what I chose was uh, the song Moon by the band or artist Sleeping at Last. And the reason that is, is it's it's part of a, again, part of a whole. I mean, he this is like a single, one of those, you know, one-man band things does all of it. Great music. Um, but he did this whole uh, album or EP kind of on space and did a song for each planet in the solar system, including the moon, kind of a bonus track. Um, and the, the moon is this, actually this instrumental track that is just beautiful and gorgeous. And, and I mean, I think the second to last mission when you're flying up to the last ship where you actually jump onto it and start shooting down to end the original uh, part of the game, that was just like, amazing sunset and just like listening to moon not that i did during that but it's it's that much beauty in it like this game helped i picked step by vampire weekend uh which is one of my all-time favorite songs and the, the song uh, features a sample from uh, the East Bay 90s hip-hop group Souls of Mischief. Uh, that is, every time I see you in the world, you always step to my girl. And so in the song, the lead singer, uh, Ezra Koenig, uh, basically the girl that he's talking about, the, the girl you always step to, is his love of 90s East Bay hip-hop. And it's this this really deep, nerdy, nostalgic look. and And it's kind of describing this toxic fandom. Uh, and that was one of the connections that I had here where he's at a party and he's talking to someone who's got like these rare demo hip hop tapes from 
LA slash San Francisco. And then he comes in with actually Oakland and not Alameda. Wow. Um, which is the next line of the song because he's just that much of a nerd. Uh, but the particular lines that connected t- to me were really after I was reading a bunch of reviews of this, it just t- heard so many people ragging on this game, a game that I really liked. And so, uh, Ancestors told me their girl was better. She's richer than creases. She's t- tougher than leather. I just ignore all the tales of her past life. Stale conversation deserves but a bread knife. And so that was the connection for me. As everybody just rags on, eh, stale conversation deserves but a bread knife. Um, so yeah, I'll just uh, walk on by. Ancestors told me their girl was better. She's richer than creases. She's tougher than leather. I just ignored all the tales of past life. Still conversation deserves but a bread knife. And punks would laugh when the sauce together. <laughs> You're just shaking your head. And with that, <laughs> You're the, the most pretentious band is... Is it? With the most pretend, so pretentious good. answer. Oh my gosh, I love them so much. All right, uh, Tyler. <laughs> you just let me love something beautiful. Anything more on uh, on Star Wars as a whole, on this game, on, on games, on LucasArts games you want us to play in the future? Anything else to add ooh, to any of that? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <clears throat> Um. No, I want some more side quests, though. Oh, he's calling out our weak spot. Oh, yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. If you want any side quests, go to theoverthink.com. We actually have <laughs> an eight-hour series on Nier Automata. Uh, no, it's an don't. interview between me and Ben. He just asks one question at the beginning, which is, hey, Jason, what did you think of Nier Automata? And then I talk for the next nine to ten <laughs> hours. You just hear this like subtle, quiet dripping in the background, which is blood coming from my ears. I'm making a puddle on the ground. You can just no. You can do the thing where you just put down the phone and come back the next day. I'll still be talking. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there true. All right. Thanks again for joining us, man. We had a great time talking with you. I'm glad. I'm glad you had fun. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm honored. All right. Man. See you guys. All right. I've been playing two games, Jay. Yeah. The past couple oh, days. So we're not even going to talk about me. No, no, no. Let's go. No, no. Jason hasn't been playing. Jason's just been playing Battlefront. Yeah. Uh, Homo Machina. H O M O Machina or Machina. Machina. Right. Uh, and it is the basically the mechanics of the human body hmm. in really interesting, cartoonish, but also serious ways. Um, it kind of shows you how, like, the biology, yeah, your biology, but in like, this is how teeth work. And it has like gears and it shows you how food breaks down in the body and it's. I found it super fascinating, kind of a fresh take on biology. Someone who hasn't taken a biology class in 15 years. Uh, it was really interesting. That sounds so, awesome. It was, I think that was $3. And I was like, uh, it's 12 gumballs. I don't know if I can do it. But I'm sacrificing 12 gumballs this week, and I bought that game. So, Well, I'm, I'm downloading it now. I'm so excited. All right. Isn't it amazing how much free games can suck? But even paying like a dollar for a game, there's like this bottom line guarantee that like, okay, it'll be at least a little good. It'll at least like yeah. look pretty or it'll like keep my attention for an hour or like... It's crazy the I jump mean, from zero to four quarters. We need to get back to this place of away from microtransactions and into more like, <laughs> I will pay you five, I'll say pay you $10 for a game. I'll do it mm-hmm. if it's good. If I'm going to spend yeah. the rest of my life playing it. Again, always play the games of Michael Brogue, uh, all of his Brogue likes. They're like three or four bucks each. Right. Cinco Pals is the one we've plugged before. Cinco Pals. And, all right, Jay, have you been playing anything me. else? All right. When last we left our adventurer... By the way, this episode is going on like an hour and a half almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. When last we left our adventurer, he had uh, he'd been playing some Nier Automata. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to tell you about it. It was an exciting game. He loved it. And I think I'd, I'd beaten it once and I was, I was replaying it. And let me tell you, I knew nothing about that game at that time. That's how much left there was after the first playthrough. Honestly, I don't think that they should be called playthroughs after the 
second playthrough because it is a completely different game. And so I got to all five endings, five main endings. There are 26 full endings, 27th with the DLC. And it is it is one of my favorite games of all time. And I'm trying to stack wow. it up against uh, Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn. And I like each of them in really different ways. Breath of the Wild is the best, like, game game. Like, it's a video game that is just done so well. But I could not care less about the story of Breath of the Wild. And Horizon Zero Dawn is this nice middle ground where the game is really fun, it's really fulfilling, and the story is really cool and really engaging. And Nier Automata is... Man, even the gameplay itself is meta and is about the story and causes you to reflect on things. Uh, There's giant robots named Ingles and uh, Hegel and stuff like that. I mean, it's a weird, wild game. And I just want to tell all of you out there, if you were considering buying it, please go buy it. Play through the whole thing. Get all five endings. You will feel so much better. Uh, And it does this great thing that I won't spoil for you, where at the end, you'll feel really light and relieved. Like you can just give this game to someone else. Uh, and and pay it forward. So, w- what would you compare the gameplay to? Not the story, because I know the story means the story is basically like the the philosophies of Westworld and like what is real right. and what is robots. But the gameplay, it it varies radically. So it's an RPG, uh, very JRPG in some ways. Um, but uh, the main kind of section of it is open world uh, action game type stuff. But because the plot is all about this. Westworld type stuff about free will there's a lot of times where you're doing open world and all of a sudden it becomes a 2D platformer and there's not a huge shift in the way that the game looks in other words it looks like the camera just rotated a little bit but clearly the controls have shifted to 2D platformer yeah, uh, yeah. and then it shifts to overhead and now it's a bullet hell game like 1941 and oh, watch, uh, so got, I just googled uh, gameplay or near automata gameplay and or playthrough and yeah I'm seeing exactly what you're talking about how it goes over the shoulder and then to platformer where you're like climbing up this silo and then it goes over the shoulder again when you're fighting yeah that's fascinating it's kind of amazing and the ways that it's playing with you where it gives you this open world and there's especially early on in the game there's a lot of promise as though this is just one small section of the game that you're going to be in and this Mm. is kind of a tutorial mode Uh, and in a weird sense you never really get out of that tutorial mode Uh, not that they're always helping you but it's like this initial area that you kind of thought was going to be just a minor part of the game is the whole world, even though right. they've been talking about all these other areas and it becomes this much smaller game in some really interesting ways. But I'd say that one of the cool things about it is the gameplay succeeds in all those different genres that it does on your second playthrough. You get a character who can hack and the hacking uh, thing is done with these kind of uh, bullet hell mini games. And they're great little fun games that you get better and better at. And each level of those provide kind of some commentary on the game and just a break so that you get a breather. You're not feeling like you're doing the same thing for 30 hours straight. Uh, and then of course, because it's a really smart, interesting game by the end of the game, you are, you are your character and you've entered the bullet hell game, but no longer as a tiny little ship, but as your actual character walking around, uh, inside the computer. I mean, it's, it's really weird and cool and also super complex in terms of the overall series because it's a sequel to a sequel to a sequel to variant endings of sequels with stage plays and novellas in between. Um, but you don't need any of that. Grab the game, download it, play it. Um, nice. I really think few people are going to bounce off of it. It's pretty great. Nice. All right. Sweet. Okay, so on to what we're playing next month. What, what, yeah. what, we're, what we're diving into this week, actually. But, uh, but yeah, and that is... 
Night School Studios Oxen Free, which, by the way, is on sale right now on Steam, 75% off through July 5th, which I realize this case this isn't about. Uh, this oh, we will tweet about it. You, you hopefully have already seen the tweets. Yeah, yeah. So. We tweeted about this all last week. Uh, sorry, this game didn't come out in time. Or this, this episode didn't come out in time. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, check it out. Yeah, this is the first time we're announcing our next game on Twitter instead of on the podcast because True. we want to make sure you don't miss out on yep, that. Yep, So hopefully you got uh, those tweets. It's currently 20 on GOG, but they've had sales on it. Uh, and so if somebody doesn't have a sale, just yeah, see if you can wait for the other one. Yep, 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 yep. But yeah, connection to LucasArts is that Night School Studio was founded in 2014 by Sean Crankle and Adam Hines, both uh, respectively from Telltale Games and Disney Interactive. So you get two LucasArts branches of the tree there going back to LucasArts. So both of which were founded by Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, always. Yeah. Nice connection there. I almost Yeah, I, I try to help. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but they also did uh the Mr. Robot one point one exfiltration oh, iOS yeah, yeah, yeah. and Android adventure game, which I, I didn't finish but I dove into we, we dove into it when we were going we were going hard in the Mr. Robot world a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's a pretty it was a pretty fun iOS game. It kind of made you feel paranoid and like uh, the, your phone or the government was taken over and you were a hacker and all that fun Mr. Robot stuff. But uh, yeah, and they just announced a game coming out next year called After Party. But yeah, we're excited to jump into to Oxen Free. Uh, I bought it on my uh, Xbox, actually, last year. I haven't played it yet, so I'm excited to jump into on that. What are you going to play it on? Uh, I'm going to play it on my Mac. Uh, okay. I got it for free from GOG. GOG does these uh, oh, occasional nice. sales where if you spend a certain amount of money, you get a free game. Nice. Uh, I think they're finishing one up right now, and the free game is Sunless Sea. Uh, which is another one of these games we'll probably play in the future. It fits in re- really nicely. Nice. Oh, I'm excited for that. I don't know if you knew about that. That's actually how capitalism works, though. If you pay enough money, you get whatever you want for free. Yes, that's true, too. So that's that's a pretty sweet deal. That's it. Th- thank you. Thank you for uh, I believe that's volume three of Das Kapital. Thank nice. you. Nice. Yeah, no problem. All right. I think that is all we have for you. Thank you so much for staying for so long. Hopefully you found it as fun as we did. Uh, but yeah, go Star Wars. It's two Star Wars games in a row. Taking a break, and I'm sure we'll play another Star Wars game later this year because that's kind of what LucasArts did, and it's what Disney is now still doing. So there's always more Star Wars games to play. Anything else for him, Jay? That's it. All right. Uh, yeah, as always, if you have any questions, comments, you want to talk to us about all of our weird soapbox stuff at the beginning of the episode, feel free. Uh, you can check us out. Our website is menoflowmoralfiber.com. Our Twitter handle is at momfpod, M-O-L-M-F-pod. Instagram, we are at menoflowmoralfiber. Facebook, facebook.com. Slash men of low fiber. And our email, once you forgot all that stuff, is momfpod, M O L M F pod at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard, if you want to support us, throw a couple bucks at us each month. Help us to do even more of these episodes, put even more time into it, and even do more side quests. I miss doing side quests. Uh, but yeah, if we had a little, a little more cash, that might uh, enable us to spend some more time to do some more side quests, which we would love to do. Uh, and that is Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash month. We would greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate all of our, our current patrons. Thank you so much for helping us out every month. That's all we got for you this month. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty rebel pirate. And together, we are one desperate Duros and one ridiculous man in a cape. Oh, Lando. All right, see you guys next month. Bye.